Going Mech fans, it's Cozen Indigo here bringing you another comp specific podcast. And this time around, it's a look at the Innersphere Coalition. Now, hopefully, you caught our podcast with Not Bob and Callan, uh, both from Aces Wild, who are hosting the tournament. Of course, you have been tuning in to the action on Twitch. Uh, but if you don't know, the Innersphere Coalition is a 6v6 Innersphere only tournament where teams play five drops against each other with a tonnage limit of 325 tons. There are 33 teams currently battling each other in a Swiss style format, uh, and we are currently one, two, three rounds into the tournament. Now given that it puts us about halfway through, we thought it'd be a good time to have a quick look at how the tournament is going, uh, specifically touching on each of the 33 teams, just very briefly, just to check in on how they have been going. A look at some of the leading pilots, I have a quick look at some of the mechs that are being taken uh, and check on how they are performing and then lastly talk about some of the key takeaways from the tournament so far. Now we are also planning on doing a episode post the competition, uh, basically just to look back at how it's gone and you know, particularly look at the structure, the format and those kind of things. I'll probably touch on the maps and the strats and all of those things, but uh, we'll give the tournament the chance to play out and uh, we'll check in on that once it has wrapped up. And what we'll be hoping to do is grab uh, Not Bob and Callan uh, and have a little bit of a reflection on the tournament uh, from their perspective. Now, uh, also, I note that the info uh, and the numbers that I'll quote at you today that's all available uh, in the tournament stat pack. Uh, the IEC stat pack. Now that is a uh, online Excel tool uh, that everyone can just go on and look at and use uh, to check out the performance of the teams and the pilots and all of those kind of things. So, so if you're a bit of a data nerd like me and that does interest you, uh, I will leave a link to that in the show notes. So click on that and check it out. Right, let's start by talking the team results first. Uh, as mentioned, there are 33 teams competing. Uh, and prior to the tournament, what Not Bob and Callan did uh, was give each team a seed uh, from first right through to 33rd, uh, depending on the Yarl's list scores of the pilots that uh, made up the rosters of the team. Now, the tournament uses a Swiss system, something that's relatively new uh, to MWO Comp, uh, and that's a system that kind of aims at uh, progressively matching teams against other teams that have got similar records. Uh, so basically the further you get into a Swiss style tournament, uh, the more likely you are to be playing teams who have uh, the same or, or similar record for you. Uh, and obviously the hope is the further you get in, the more likely you are to be matched against people of equal skill. Uh, so after three rounds, here is a little look at how the teams are going based on their current uh, win-loss records. Uh, so I've gone through and I've ranked them based on how uh, they've gone in that respect uh, and compared that to that initial Yarl's list ranking. Right, no surprise that uh, currently in first we have EMP. Uh, predictably they are 3-0 and so far after three rounds and they have won all uh, of their 15 drops. They've got a KD of over 5 
and a kill rate of 96%. They of course also came in ranked first, uh, so they are about where we would expect them to be and are looking, looking pretty good. Uh, in second we have Majestic 12, they also have a 3-0 record and they have won 14 of the 15 drops they've played. They've got a higher than average match score than the next two teams below them, uh, but they've actually only got a KD of 2.7. Uh, and that means that they're actually losing twice as many mechs in a drop as, say, EMP does. Uh, they were ranked fifth coming in, though, uh, and so second is pretty good for them at the moment, and uh, yeah, we will expect them, I guess, to push some of those higher-ranked teams. Coming in third is JGX Black Omen. They have a 3-0 record. They've won all of their games, uh, and they have won 14 of the 15 drops. They have an excellent KD ratio of 5, uh, they are doing slightly less average damage than, say, Majestic or EMP, but the difference isn't too much. So they're tracking well. Uh, they came into the tournament rank second, and they're sitting in third after three rounds, uh, and looking as maybe one of the only teams that might contest uh, EMP. In fourth, we have got 228 Blackwatch. They are 3-0, and they've also won 14 drops, uh, but they have an average match score uh, that's quite a bit lower than the other top teams. Uh, they do have a pretty good KD uh, of 3, uh, and they did come into the tournament ranked at 4th. So yeah, they're performing uh, at this stage about where we would expect. In 5th, we have Smoke Adders. Uh, they are 2-1 at the moment, and they have won 10 of their 15 drops. Uh, they've got a pretty high average match score, but their KD is actually only 1.5. They came in ranked third on roster strength, so at fifth, they are probably a little bit behind where they may have wanted to be. They have lost a game, so they'll be looking to uh, not lose any more as the tournament goes on. In six, we have a bit of a surprise package. It is Diamond Shark Alpha Galaxy. They are also two and one, and they have won 10 of their 15 drops. Uh, and they're actually separated from Smoke Eaters, of course, just on that average match score. Uh, it's a really, really good position for them um, after three rounds, and they were actually ranked 22nd coming in uh, on roster strength. So an awesome effort there thus far. In seventh, uh, we have another 2 to eighth team, this one Death From Below. They are 2-1. They have won nine of their 15 drops, uh, and they have got the highest average match score of the teams that are 2-1 and one and have won nine drops. So uh, they're doing pretty well there. Uh, they look to be getting a lot done with the lighter mechs, and they've got a really high uh, damage per ton uh, compared to some of the other teams uh, that are around that same ranking. They did come in ranked 11th, so they are doing pretty well to be sitting at 7th at the moment. In 8th, MS Crab people, they are also 2-1 with 9 drops 1. Uh, they were unfortunately unlucky to run into EMP uh, in the first round, so, so that's where their loss came from. Their KD is a little down, 1.3. Uh, and they did come in ranked as 6th on roster strength, so they're probably about where they would expect, uh, but they'll be wanting to get that KD up. In ninth, we have Clan Crossfire. They are also 2-1 with 9 drops 1, uh, and they, like Death From Below, doing pretty well uh, in that damage per tonne stat, so their lighter mechs uh, are really kind of carrying pretty well uh, in that group. Now their KD is actually 1.5, so they're going pretty well, and they do have pretty good average damage uh, as well. Uh, they came in ranked 7th on roster strength, so they're probably a little bit behind, uh, but they're or thereabouts sitting in 9th. In 10th, yet another 2 to 8th team, this time it's Death From Above, who are also 
two and one with nine drops one. Uh, they were ranked 13th coming in, so yeah, they're doing pretty well uh, to be sitting in 10th, and they are a very good team, so uh, certainly have a very good chance to keep on winning over the next three rounds. In 11th, it is Furia, also 2-1, also with 9 of 15 drops, 1, uh, though their stats show that they do work a little bit harder for their wins. Uh, their KD is actually only 1.1. They do have pretty high average damage though, so uh, perhaps they are spending a lot of their times maybe shooting CTs uh, instead of side torsos or legs. Uh, they were actually ranked 16th coming in, so sitting in 11th after three rounds is actually a pretty good result. In 12th, uh, White Knight Legion, they are 2-1, uh, but they have won 8 drops out of their 15. Uh, they do have some work to do, their KD is actually below 1. Uh, but they did come into the tournament ranked 12th, so they are pretty much exactly where uh, we would expect them to be after those three rounds. Uh, in 13th, it is the first of the Aces Wild teams. This one is Waffle House. They also have the 2-1 record with 8 drops. One, uh, their average match scores a little down against some of the teams that are close to them or, or slightly above them, uh, but they do have their KD at an even 1. Uh, they don't help themselves though, they've got the second highest team damage total uh, of uh, all the teams competing, so they'll want to knock that on the head. Uh, they did come in ranked 18th though, so um, they're doing pretty well to sit in 13th. Another 2 to 8 team, uh, in 14th we've got 2 to 8 Wild Ones, they have a 2 and 1 record uh, with 7 drops of 15 1. Uh, they have won pretty closely against lower ranked teams, uh, but they are averaging pretty good damage. They did, however, come in ranked 8th, uh, so they are uh, quite a bit behind, I think, probably where they should be, uh, particularly given the talent that they have on that team. Uh, in 15th, we have Aces Wild Black Aces with a 2-1 and one record, uh, and they have won 7 drops as well. Their KD is 1.1, and they did uh, have a pretty good win over a higher-ranked opponent. Uh, they came in ranked 19th, so they are having a pretty good tournament thus far, and we'll be hoping that continues. Uh, in 16th, we have 228 Snack Watch. Uh, they are 2 and 1 with 7 drops, 1, and uh, that did include a big victory over fellow Borg team, uh, Death from Below. They do have pretty low average damage and match score, uh, and their KD's uh, down at uh, 0.8, uh, but they are still going pretty well and ahead of the 20th seed ranking that they had coming in. Uh, in 17th, we have Davian Spudforce. They are also 2-1, and, and they won 6 drops. Uh, they are getting the wins, but that's the minimum number of wins uh, that you could win and be 2-1. and one. Uh, And of course, that is what matters. Uh, their KD is a little bit under 0 0.8, uh, so they'll want to improve that. But yeah, they came in ranked 17th, so they're bang on uh, where they should be. In 18th, we have Cameron's Highlanders Claymore. Uh, they are 1 and 2, uh, and they have won 7 drops, uh, and they also had the misfortune of running into EMP within the first 3 rounds. Uh, they're probably behind where they would like to be. They were actually ranked 9th coming in on roster strength, so a very strong roster, uh, and their KD is actually at 0.8 at the moment, so they'll certainly be wanting uh, to get some more kills. In 19th, we have Comstar Postal Service. They are 1 and 2 as well. Uh, they have also won seven drops. Uh, they've had a fairly, uh, they've had a fairly good showing, uh, and their KD's actually a little bit over one. Uh, they were ranked 15th 
coming in. So they are a little bit behind where they would want to be. Uh, so they'll be looking for a strong second half. In 20th, it is Blackthorn Dragoons, also with a 1-2 and two record with 7 drops 1. Uh, they have had good showings even though uh, they have lost and they are ahead of the 24th seed ranking that they were when they came in. Uh, they are averaging pretty good damage, but they're struggling, I think, a little bit to convert that into kills. Their KD is down and under 1. In 21st, we have Clan Widowmaker. They are 1-2 and two, and they have won 7 of their 15 drops. Uh, they have faced some pretty tough opponents uh, and they have actually played really, really well and battled pretty hard. And yeah, they, they were 21st uh, in seeding coming in, so they are also a team exactly where they would expect to be. In 22nd, we have Merkstar Crawdads. Uh, they are 1-2 and two also with 7 drops, 1, and uh, they've actually been doing really, really well. Uh, each of the games that they've played, uh, they've actually gone down to a 3-2 decision, so that seems to be a kind of Merkstar theme after MOR. Uh, their KD is right on one, uh, but they are a little bit low on average uh, damage and match score, just being a little bit up and down now, they win or lose. Um, but they are ahead of where they came ranked. They were ranked 27th coming into the tournament, so they're doing pretty well uh, to be sitting in 22nd. Uh, in 23rd, we have Paragon Sect. They are one and two, and they have won six drops. They are averaging a really, really good amount of damage per match. Uh, and they'll probably be disappointed that they haven't actually won more games. Um, they were actually ranked 10th coming in on roster strength, so it's a good roster, but they're obviously just not able to quite get it together uh, at the moment. In 24th, we have Jade Corsair. They are 1 and 2 with 6 drops 1. Uh, they also have some pretty excellent damage numbers, and uh, they are performing pretty close to expectation. Uh, they came in ranked at 23rd. Uh, another team that seemed to be getting pretty good value from lower tonnage mechs. Uh, the match score and the damage per ton figures are pretty high for them. In 25th we have Dropship 4. They are 1 and 2 with 6 drops 1. Uh, they came in ranked at 14th so they're actually well below uh, where they are. They did go down pretty hard in two of their games. Uh, they got their T crossed uh, as Defunct was talking about. Uh, they are a pretty talented team, so expect that they'll probably come out and have a good second half. Uh, they are actually the worst team for team damage, uh, so that's probably something that they'll want to knock on the head as well as getting their T crossed. In 26, we have Sky Rangers. They are 1 and 2 with 5 drops 1. Uh, they have played much better, I think, than the score suggests in their games, uh, particularly against higher ranked opponents. Uh, and at 26, they're actually on par with where they were ranked uh, coming into the tournament. Right, in 27th, we have 502 Panzer Regiment. Uh, they are 1-1 one one with 4 drops. 1, uh, they have actually had a buy. Now, their average damage is really good, but uh, with a KD of just 0.5, does mean that they've got some finishing work to do uh, to take down mechs. Uh, but they are also ahead of their ranking, so a pretty good result for them thus far. In 28th, it is Aces Wild Dead Man's Hand. They also have a 1 and 2 record uh, with just 4 drops 1. They have a KD of 0.6, uh, but another team that are ranking exactly as they had come in, uh, 28th seed. On to the winless teams now. Uh, in 29th, we have Clan Crossfire Extra Fleek. Uh, they are 0 and 3 uh, with 4 drops 1. Uh, they have come close, uh, and they're aver actually averaging over 300 damage per pilot. Uh, but with the KD of 0.6, uh, they'll probably need to work on their accuracy. 
uh, obviously shooting a lot of CTs there. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly a team that should get better and better the more they play. Uh, in 30th, we have Smoke at his 505th with a 0 and 3 record, and they have won three drops. Uh, they still have a little way to go, but uh, they are pretty close to this initial setting of 29th. Uh, another team that are doing pretty good damage, actually, but uh, just not converting that into kills. Uh, in 31st, we have Cameron's Highlanders Sons of Thunder. They have a 0 and 3 record with just one drop, one. Uh, in 32nd, Aces Wild Suicide Kings. They are 0 and 2 with 1 drop 1 and they have had a buy. Uh, and bringing up the rear in 33rd we have the Seraphim Regiment. They are 0 and 2 with no drops 1 uh, and they have had a buy as well. Uh, all of those teams will be hoping for a win in the last three rounds uh, and they should see some really close matches uh, given that with the Swiss system. Uh, those teams are more likely to get matched up against each other because of those similar records. So that is a brief rundown of the teams, uh, where they rank against their initial seedings. Uh, I talked a little bit, of course, about the number of drops they'd won and their KD. Uh, so how many kills that they had got compared to how many times they had died. Now, interestingly, uh, if you look at the team's ranked position that I've just talked about against their seeding, so what they came in at, it actually zeroes out, uh, which is pretty darn amazing, uh, I think, in a testament for uh, the Swiss system that is being used. Uh, more than half of the teams are within three places of their initial ranking, and uh, there was actually only a few real outliers. Uh, we had DSEG, who are well ahead of their ranking, uh, and we had a couple of teams like Paragon Sect and Dropship 4 who were well below. Uh, but they were the only real outliers. Uh, so again, everyone is there or thereabouts for where they were seated. I will say though that uh, after three rounds we are probably seeing a pretty clear breakaway group uh, in those first four. So EMP, uh, Majestic 12, JGX Black Omen and 228 Black Watch. Uh, so it will be interesting to see which one of those four kind of continue on and go through either unbeaten or there or thereabouts. Uh, for all the other teams, as I mentioned, uh, we should see more and more closely fought matches uh, as we see more and more teams matched up that are closer together in skill. Uh, and again, that's really what the Swiss system is trying to achieve. Right, from teams to pilots, and we are at the halfway mark. So let's look firstly at the front runners for those tournament specialty awards. And now the damage leader is Texan Scrublord of Majestic 12. Again, showing his prowess uh, and has amassed 4,057 damage so far. Uh, now, if you're wondering, that's a tick under 500 per drop, which is pretty amazing. The assist leader is John McFuzzy, also uh, from Majestic 12, uh, and he is leading the way with 72 assists. Uh, now, that means that he's played a part in helping kill 84% of all the mechs that his team has killed. So that is pretty amazing as well. The kill leader is Texan Scrublord again, uh, 23 kills in the tournament, so pretty hard to keep that fella out of the action. And the KMDD leader, surprise, surprise, Texan Scrublord again, with 28 KMDDs to go alongside those kills. Come on, bro, let's um, let, stop hogging all the action and let someone else have a go, eh, Texan? Jeez. 
The component destroyer is Windscape from White Knight Legion. Someone not Texan Scrublord, which is good. Uh, he's leading there and has destroyed 47 components across 14 drops. And the team damage leader is Kawai Chimera from Aces Wild Waffle House, uh, bringing down the house here with 303 team damage across 15 drops. Uh, in fact, 260 of that came in one drop. Uh, so well done, Kawai. Now, uh, overall, after three rounds, the highest match score per ton uh, goes to Chortles from Death From Below, uh, and Chortles is averaging 10 match score per ton, uh, and also has the highest average damage per ton as well at 14.4. Now, if you're wondering why I use those stats, uh, given that we do have the lighter tonnage in this tournament, uh, you really do need a way to measure how lights are going against assaults or heavies. Uh, and so the match score per ton kind of gives us a way to, to separate those out. Now the best average match score currently is Meebill, uh, also of Majestic 12 at 362.7, uh, though just to note that Meebill has actually only played a few drops. Uh, also the best average damage was Data, recently returned to the game, averaging 507 damage per drop, uh, but Data is also an example of someone that has just played a few drops. On to the mech classes now, and uh, in this one I do take a minimum of five drops before you can qualify, uh, and no surprise that Chortles again is showing his light pilot cred, uh, averaging 320 match score, five kills and 27 assists in light mechs, so absolutely outstanding there, and yeah, no surprise that he is doing so well in the match score per ton figures when he's going so well in lights. That man, Texan Scrublord, just edged out Chill Gaps and Water Deer uh, from Extra Fleck for the Medium Award. Uh, but I'm just going to give Chill this one just to give someone else a go because Texan's hogging all the awards. Uh, now, Chill was actually just below Texan, uh, averaging 352 match score and 590 damage uh, per match across the five, uh, per drop across the five drops uh, in a pretty impressive showing from Chill. In the heavies, it is Chimera from EMP, who is impressive as always, uh, averaging 293 match score and 15 kills uh, in the 10 drops that he has partaken in. And what do you know, Texan Scrublord again, this time doing the most in assaults, uh, averaging 296 match score, 9 kills and 10 KMDDs in the 6 drops played in assaults. It's so pretty obvious that the pilot of the tournament uh, is at the halfway mark is Texan Scrublord showing that he is pretty influential uh, and I guess one of the benefits of the Swiss system is that Texan and Majestic uh, whilst they had played say Div B in uh, the previous tournament uh, they'll get to take those really good performances up against some of those traditional Div A teams like EMP, like JGX and like Blackwatch so they'll really get a chance to get tested and I'm sure Texan will love going up against those Div A heavy hitters. Let's talk mechs now and uh, given that the tournament was IS only I thought a look at mechs would be interesting. Uh, now not only was it uh, IS only uh, but it, you got to remember that each drop has a tonnage limit of 325 across six mechs uh, that means a, a rough average of somewhere between 50 and 55 tons per mech. 
Of course, we would expect to see a lot of mediums and heavies when we have that kind of average tonnage. Uh, and if we look at the distribution, indeed, mediums are the most popular, accounting for 40% of all the mechs taken, uh, heavies accounting for 33%. So you get almost three quarters of all mechs uh, in those two weight classes. Lights are still pretty popular and pretty valuable though, and they are taken 19% of the time, and that leaves the assaults to make up the rest. So to go a little further though, uh, the most common tonnage taken is actually 40 tonne mechs, uh, which is the lightest tonnage that is available in that medium bracket, and 40 tonne mechs accounted for 17% uh, of all the mechs that have been taken, uh, while 50 or 55 tonne mechs uh, made up another 19%. So that was 9% that were 50 tonne, and 10% that were 55 tonne. In the heavy class, uh, it's actually been the 70 tonners that have been hugely popular, uh, and they accounted for 15% of all selections. So basically this tells us that teams uh, see the best value for tonnage in those brackets, uh, 40, 50, 55, and 70. Uh, but if we look at those numbers, they can be a little bit misleading. I mean, the reason that they are so high is actually down to just four different mechs. Uh, and that is the Vulcan, the Assassin, the Warhammer, and the Grasshopper. Uh, and in particular, the Vulcan 5T and the Assassins, the Assassin 21 and the 23, have been overwhelmingly uh, the most taken mechs. So to go through the actual numbers for those variants, and starting with the Vulcan 5T, as I said, overwhelmingly the most used mech, uh, that is 247 times that that mech was taken out, uh, and usage-wise, it's been used in 94% of all of the matches. The Warhammer 6R is actually the next most used variant. Uh, 144 times that big boy has been taken out, uh, and its usage is 87%. So it's, uh, it's been in 87% of matches. Uh, and then the next two are the Assassin 23 and the Assassin 21 used 126 and 103 times respectively, uh, though ultimately those two mechs take a very, very similar build. So you can almost consider those as one. Uh, and when we do that, they've actually been used in all but one match. So 44 of the 45 matches, we have seen an Assassin 23 or an Assassin 21. So very, very popular. Uh, if we move down the list after that, we then have the Warfound 2 that's been used 91 times. The Grasshopper 5H at 90, uh, the Roughneck 3A at 82, the Victor 9A1 uh, 82 times, the Crab 27B 81 times, and the Commando 1D 74 times to round out the 10 most used variants. Now when talking uh, overall effectiveness for mechs, we are seeing the lights really, really come to the fore, which is awesome. Uh, and the flea actually tops the rankings when we look at match score per ton. Uh, so the flea is averaging 8.9 uh, match score per ton. And what that means is that on average, uh, someone in a flea in any match is going to get a match score of just under 180 in a 6v6 game, which is really, really good for a, a 20 tonner. Uh, close behind that is the commando. Uh, and that average match score is 8.3. And then the third on the list is actually the Javelin at 7.1. So the top three mechs there, all fairly light. And of course the Flea and the Commando, the two best, uh, very, very light mechs. The Vulcan uh, is proving that it's worth taking out. It's been very, very good, worth its weight. 
uh, it has averaged 5.7 match score per tonne meaning that for every Vulcan that goes out, it's averaging over 200 match score, which is really, really good. And yeah, all of those mechs, as I said, are being used a lot, uh, so it is actually a pretty decent sample size uh, to judge them on. Last of all on the mech front is probably the sneaky good mechs and the sneaky bad mechs that we've seen from the tournament. Uh, now on the good front, I think both the trebuchet and the blackjack have been surprisingly effective. Uh, they haven't been used as frequently as some of those other mechs, but they are averaging a pretty respectable 4.9 and 4.6 match score per tonne, uh, and that's higher than, say, the Crab, uh, the Kentaro, or the Bushwhacker. Now, on the not-so-good front, the Orion has been used quite a bit, but that has really struggled, uh, averaging just 2.4 match score per tonne. Uh, and the Victor, now the Victor has been used a lot, 122 times, but it's averaging just 2.2 match score per ton. Now that means it's averaging around the same match score as the flea. So if you take a victor out, it's likely to achieve the same match score as the flea. So that kind of puts it in context for you. Now perhaps those two mechs are victims of this type of tonnage limit. Uh, and given that they're bigger, they may just tend to get targeted a lot. So they might be useful in that they are soaking up damage uh, that other mechs aren't and allowing them to perform. Uh, but yeah, it, it does pose the question to say, uh, is it worth taking that much tonnage and investing that much tonnage out of your 325 to try and win the drop? So from mechs to our key takeaways, and what I wanted to look at is what the key takeaways might be after three rounds, and in particular, wanted to look at the things that might be relevant for worlds and just for comp in general, because I think we can use Innisphere and these type of bespoke tournaments to really learn about comp in general. Uh, and given that we don't know what's happening with Worlds, what we'd hope is that PGI are looking at these tournaments to see what they can learn, uh, how they can get the best elements out of every tournament that is run. Now, I do have to give a shout out to my co-host, Captain Cat here, who has been partaking uh, and obviously has been really, really helpful in informing some of these. So <clears throat> I kind of went to him and uh, he helped me develop up some of these key takeaways. So my man, Captain Kit, thank you for that. All right, key takeaway number one, Innisphere pretty much own the 40 ton and below bracket. So between the Vulcan, the Assassin, the Flea, the Commando and the Wolfhound, I think this tournament as IS only has just further strengthened how good these mechs are and how that 40 ton and below is just pretty much owned by IS. So if Worlds is an open format or if it's a format that's going to allow both clan and IS and it's not going to restrict a stock mode or anything like that, I think other than maybe the Piranha and the Mist Links, I think we see that the premier light mechs in the game 40 ton and below belong in IS. And as I said, but have said before, the Vulcan 5T has pretty much risen to instant meta. It's been very, very good. Now, by the same token, uh, the nature of the tournament with the limited tonnage has, has really squeezed out uh, the heavier IS mechs. We talked a little bit about the Orion and the Victor not going so good uh, for average match score. So whilst IS probably owns that 40 and below, I think what the tournament has helped done is show that clans dominate 60 and above. So when you are looking at that match score per ton, it really drops off once you hit that 60 ton range 
in this tournament. So anything over 60 tons is really, really struggling to do a good average match score per ton. Now, the reason that's relevant and the reason I think that's a key takeaway is that if you are going to have Worlds or another comp where it is tonnage limited, it's a fine line between squeezing out ISMX over 60 tons entirely. Uh, if the tonnage limits are too low, I think what you'll see is clan dominating everything over 60. So you can you begin to to limit that. You might see some heavier mechs like Annihilators and that that can hold their own. Uh, but if the tonnage drops too much, and I think this tournament shows us that 325 is too low if we want um, IS heavies and above uh, to be successful. So that's probably too low. Don't know what too high is, but that's a question I think that PGI should take on board uh, and for other comps as well and other tournaments when they are looking at that tonnage limit. So key takeaway number three, uh, IS medium pulse lasers are pretty excellent brawling options and they are pretty hard to beat at the moment, I think. And I think that's been shown from the almost instant rise of the Vulcan, uh, but not just the Vulcan, we've seen the Roughneck 3A, We've seen the crabs been very good, and even the phoenix hawk, I think, are starting to become pretty common in those brawl decks that are taken out, uh, and really just that pinpoint nature seems to be even more effective than the SRM brawl that we've seen typically with the assassins. And uh, even in MOR, I think we started to see that, uh, that the SRM linebackers and the SRM assassins uh, seem to be less effective than that IS medium pulse brawl. Now Captain Cat uh, was the one that, that kind of pointed this one out and they characterized it by saying that three Vulcans can pretty much beat any other wolf pack given that it's just got though that combination of tankiness, mobility and the pinpoint damage that IS medium pulse lasers give. So yeah, I think that that's really important and we start to see a little bit of the rise of, of this uh, meta when it comes to brawling this, this laser meta. Uh, with IS. Key takeaway number four, uh, I think the tournament has shown that AC2s continue to be one of the top weapon choices uh, and that has allowed mechs like the Jaeger mech to feature quite a bit in this tournament which I think is a, a pretty good thing. Uh, the strength of AC2s I think also sets up a bit of a showdown between say the AC2 meta that we're seeing or that we have seen started to dominate over the last year or so, and clan lasers uh, as what's going to be best for long range. And cap and control is so common for comp games, and we now really see two choices between AC2s or those uh, e extended range long lasers. And the last key takeaway, I think, uh, is just around the maps. Uh, and I think the tournament has shown uh, how they remain a pretty important part of competition and some of the good and bad things that are involved when you limit the maps that teams will play on in any way. So we are already seeing some meta strats develop uh, and probably the one that's been discussed pretty recently is the wall strat on HPG or even holding that outer ring on Grim uh, and overlooking the two caps uh, on the outer portion of Grim. Uh, and so whilst Playing the same maps can, can have some benefits in allowing teams to prepare really, really good strats and counter strats. The other side of the argument is that it's potentially not as good a spectacle for not only the people playing, but even for the people watching. 
And one of the risks about a meta is that you have to adopt it to win. And uh, by limiting the maps, uh, you don't necessarily want to pigeonhole people into that one strat that they have to adopt or one counter strat that they have to play for. Uh, because again, it, it kind of limits the spectacle of a game and the unpredictability. So whether you are just providing a small number of maps that you are forcing teams to play on, like we're seeing in ISC, or whether you provide a map selection process and that results in maybe only one or two maps getting played, either of those might be a problem for Worlds. So that's something I think that PGI should follow pretty closely to see by limiting maps, either by forcing just a few maps or having a map selection process. That means people are going to end up on the same maps uh, all the time. Uh, like we did see with Worlds 2016 with Canyon, you may begin to develop a bit of a problem because the spectacle begins to become a little bit the same uh, and not the kind of thing that you want to do with comp is to showcase uh, the best players in some random situations. Right, so that is probably enough from me uh, in this review. Remember, we are only three rounds in, so there is still plenty more action to play. Uh, and we will do another episode looking back on the tournament uh, once it has wrapped up. Now, uh, in that, it will give us the chance to look at, as I said, some of those other aspects, such as the format, the Swiss system, uh, and some of the meta strats and stuff that we have seen. Uh, a reminder that you can continue to track all of the stats that I've talked about via that ISC stat pack, uh, and that is updated after each round is played. So that will be in the show notes below. Make sure to check that one out. Now also be sure to head along to the MWO Comp Discord and uh, talk with the people that are involved with the tournament. Uh, you can also head along to the Aces Wild website which holds uh, the brackets, who's playing who, the rules, the rosters uh, and pretty much anything else of interest about the tournament. Uh, those guys do a fantastic job uh, in hosting. As always a massive shout out also to the Shoutcasters uh, who are once again giving up their time and energy uh, to bring that action to us. Uh, be sure to check out all of the matches on Twitch. Uh, hit the notification button on the MWO League's channels uh, so that you can see everything. And of course, you can be in there for the giveaways. Now, a huge personal thank you uh, to those comp admins, uh, Not Bob and Callum Faster from Aces Wild, uh, for the power of work that they have done and are doing to host and run this tournament. Again, the community thanks you. It is very, very much appreciated. Uh, the tournament has been great so far, so well done to those boys. Uh, and yes, a thank you to PGI, obviously, for the support that they are providing, uh, both with the significant amount of winnings uh, and, of course, the giveaways uh, that you find when you are watching on stream. Lastly, of course, a thank you to the incoming Missile Podcast patrons, uh, Live1991, Dan N, John Doe Iowa, Jacob Sawyer, Shaky Snake, Brios, and Chill Gapson. Uh, of course, your support is greatly appreciated. Now, if you wanted to join these legendary mech warriors and support us in more tangible ways, uh, remember you can become a patron of the podcast for as little as $2 per month. So head along to Patreon and search for Incoming Missile Podcast. We will leave a link to that in the show notes below as always. Right, that's been a quick look at the tournament thus far. Enough from me, mech fans. I will catch you next time. If you did enjoy this content, then please consider supporting us. You can do this in a multitude of ways, including subscribing to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leaving reviews, as well as subscribing to us on YouTube and liking our videos. 
You can also support us by sending us feedback, either through comments, tweets, or directly through email. Tweet and follow us on Twitter at IncomingP, or email us directly at IncomingMissilePodcast at gmail.com. You can also support us directly by becoming a patron or sponsor. You can find us on Patreon at Incoming Missile Podcast and choose one of three tiers of support. Patrons not only get mentioned on the podcast and get access to exclusive content, but can even join us as a guest host on the podcast. You can also opt to sponsor an episode through one-off donations, all of which will be used as giveaways for our listeners. So if you had a product, service, or content that you'd like us to mention, contact us to discuss sponsoring an episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to hearing from you. We appreciate you listening and we'll catch you next time. Shutdown sequence initiated.